And now for a segment called Just Something I've Noticed, brought to you by our friends at Motel 6. Just Something I've Noticed. There's a lot more yawning these days. Have you noticed that? Yeah. And the bad thing about yawning, it's contagious. Now, I'm not a scientist, but I do know that's true. You see somebody else yawn, all of a sudden, you got to yawn. Do you know what helps to curtail the yawning? How about a great night's rest at Motel 6? Book online at motel6.com. Use the code CPREDEYE to get 15% off your stay at Motel 6 or Studio 6. With almost 1,500 locations across the country, there's almost always a Motel 6 or Studio 6 nearby. And truck parking is available at most locations. Enjoy a clean, comfortable room at a price you will love when you use the code CP Red Eye. That's the letters CP Red Eye, all one word, for 15% off your stay at Motel 6 and help curtail the yawning. That's just something I've noticed. Brought to you by Motel 6. Now, it's Red Eye Radio. Gary McNamara and Eric Harley talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show. From the Uniden America Studios, this is Red Eye Radio. All across the USA and around the world, we are Red Eye Radio, 86690 Red Eye. He's Eric Harley and I'm Gary McNamara. So just reading here, and this is something that you and I have talked about for years about where automobile companies actually make their money from. Ford Motor Company made $1.6 billion last quarter. Uh, to break it down, most of the profit uh, came from Ford Blue, the company's internal combustion engine vehicle unit, which made $2.6 billion before taxes during the quarter. Ford Pro, the commercial vehicle unit, added $1.37 billion but Model E, Ford's electric vehicle unit, lost $722 million. And you've seen that they're dropping the price on electric vehicles. Mm-hmm. You see it happening across the board now. Yeah. Even with all the subsidies, people don't want them. They don't want them. And so, as we have talked about before, what, what makes the companies the profit and where they'll actually, you're paying a higher cost to get your internal combustion engine to subsidize the electric vehicles that are already being subsidized. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's it's insane. And talking about energy, the Interior Secretary, uh, Halen, was in front of the uh, Senate Energy uh, Committee uh, yesterday, and Josh Hawley was asking questions to the Interior Secretary and this is just this. I would just, I'll just play it, and you can you can listen to the insanity yourself. All right. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. I just want to come back, Madam Secretary, to this trade-off between energy security and the radical climate change agenda that you've endorsed, which is less energy security for America, radical climate change agenda. Um, on the subject of these sweeping mandates related to electric vehicles that the Biden administration has imposed, including now for our military. The metals needed to make the lithium-ion batteries in those vehicles are, of course, lithium, nickel, graphite, and cobalt. Now, can you tell me what nation is the largest producer of refined lithium in the world? No, I can't. It's ch- Wait a minute. How can't you know that? 
how can, can she be that? the interior secretary and not know that? When when your entire plan is to shut down American mines, shut down uh, coal, natural gas, oil, how can you not know who's going to be producing what you want produced in the United States? Who is going to become rich on that and who's going to control the market and therefore control our energy economic and national security we'll continue it here we go china can you tell me which nation is the largest producer of refined cobalt in the world no senator it's china do you know what nation is the largest exporter of natural graphite to the united states globally no senator it's china okay so in all of these instances these mandates your decision to trade off our energy security in favor of a radical climate change agenda is making us more and more dependent on China, and at the same time, you are denying mining, blocking mining, blocking permits for mines in this country that would allow us to develop nickel and copper and cobalt. Why? Why block the development of these resources in our own nation in favor of making us dependent on China? Senator, are you referring to the Boundary Waters? Mineral? I'm referring to the to the Twin Metals Mine in Minnesota. I think that Senator Bross was just asking about it. Yes, uh, near the Boundary Waters, which is an iconic place and, of course, um, a very valuable ecological um, system to many plants, animals, species. Um, but jobs for – let me just say this, though. The, the jobs for blue-collar workers in this nation – are valuable resources. The livelihood and well-being of American families are valuable resources. The ability of America to have our own industry and not be dependent on China is a valuable resource. Why should those things for millions of Americans be sacrificed in, in favor of your agenda for radical climate change? Senator, I, I know that uh, there's like 1.9 jobs for every American in the country right now, so I know there's a lot of jobs. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. You're telling me, <laughs> you're telling me we've got too many jobs in the country? Well, I'm saying that we don't have enough people. That's why we are um, having a hard time finding folks to work at our department. But oh, I wait, you're telling me that we have too many jobs for blue-collar work? Have, have you seen the number of jobs we have lost in this country to China in the last 20 years? Do you know where those jobs come from? Over 3 million jobs have gone to China. Do you know where those jobs have come from? They've come out of Midwestern towns, like the ones I represent. They are blue-collar workers, and you're sitting here and telling me that we have too many jobs in this country? Are you serious? Senator, we are working hard every single day. And then you get the same thing, and he cuts her off again. Is she? It's almost the, it's almost the Mayorkas uh, and and Kareem Jean-Pierre, we're working very hard. We're working very hard. We're working very hard. Mm-hmm. We're working very hard. We're working very hard. Mm-hmm. Just amazing. They are working very hard on their agenda. And you don't have to know really about the mining of uh, lithium, cobalt, or anything else. Uh, because all you need to know is, I'm here to kill the oil and gas industry. I'm here to kill the coal industry. That's it. 
where we get our energy is no concern of theirs. The fact that there could be blackouts as a result of this kind of policy as on a regular basis is also no concern. They don't care. They just don't. Everybody who knows anything about the operation of it, and I mean recent examples, a child can tell you, well, if the sun isn't out that day, then solar is not going to produce. Well, if the wind isn't blowing that day, then wind isn't going to produce. Well, we don't have nearly enough of what it would require for EVs to be on the roads at the scale that they're talking about. Not even close. You would have to ramp up the mining to the nth degree in every field across the globe just to start moving in that direction. But they don't care. The fact that it will fall short and people will be hurt by this doesn't matter to them. That doesn't play into the equation. Yeah, the story out of New York yesterday, National Grid uh, proposes a 17% rate increase for New York City customers uh, for their electricity, uh, saying in order to deliver them more clean energy Mm -hmm. because of their climate change policies and inflation, a 17% hike is yep. uh, needed, and we go all the way back to 2008, February 2008, when uh, then-candidate Obama told the San Francisco Chronicle that uh, the entire goal was to skyrocket electricity uh, uh, prices. And it was, uh, who was it? I keep thinking it wasn't Mayorkas, because that would be on the border. Who was uh, who was talking about a couple of weeks ago, we brought it up on the show, saying that Oh, it must have been John Kerry. State, yeah, it was, I believe it was John Kerry stating that uh, we can we can make uh, uh, you know clean energy more competitive by raising the cost of oil and natural gas. Yeah, it's like okay, we need to skyrocket those costs so so we can so then we make it more competitive so people mm-hmm. don't see the difference mm-hmm. because government artificially escalates the cost of oil and natural gas. And therefore, uh, wind and solar is then competitive with all the subsidies. And then we know the insanity in Texas, the absolute insanity in Texas, which is, I mean, this that was the ultimate to me. And if it's happening in Texas, it can happen anywhere. Where because of so much free money, subsidies for wind and solar from the federal level, of course, people are taking advantage of it. And they will grab that free money and they will produce solar and wind. Now, the state of Texas realizing that we can't run a grid that way and the federal government not giving a damn, just saying, build that, build this, build that. We're like, well, we can't run the grid on solar and wind. Well, you've got a federal mandates. You must accept it. You must take it all. We we can't do it. We what what about if the wind blows? We've already has seen what happens in, in Frizola. What do we do is you keep increasing the amount of electricity going to the grid from solar and wind that is inconsistent. And so the state of Texas 
The plan is the state of Texas is to build natural gas plants that can hit the grid immediately, spend billions upon billions of dollars, and they want those natural gas plants because they're only going to run 10% of the time, subsidized by the taxpayer uh, through taxes and higher rates. To pay for the 90% of time when they'll be doing nothing. Right, exactly. And so we're actually, in the state of Texas, the state says we have to subsidize the cost of electric generation that does not need to be subsidized if we were using it as the primary form of energy, but we need to subsidize the natural gas uh, backup plants that are only running 10% of the time in order to back up the subsidized solar and wind that cannot provide power 24-7. Yep. It's pure insanity. It will be the highest you've ever paid for electricity. It's it's pure insanity. Because the state knows that you can't fail. Yeah. States like California... I have to wonder what they're going to do because they don't want to do the natural gas backup. They don't want to do the backup. So you actually have states competing against the federal government saying nothing we can do. This money is available. We can't stop them from doing it. All we can do is try to limit the damage that the federal government is doing by creating new natural gas plants that can back it up so our Citizens of Texas have electricity, but they can't make any money, so we have to subsidize it through taxpayer dollars and higher rates for the consumer. And we have no choice because the federal government rules. We can't stop the federal government from giving those subsidies for solar and wind in the state of Texas. We can't stop it. Yep. So the only thing we can do is subsidized energy production that doesn't actually need to be subsidized if it was the primary form of energy. And every state will go through this, and their only decision will be, do we have to subsidize a backup? Are we going to choose to do a backup? So then you, in essence, have two different power grids, both having to be subsidized, Because of this insanity. Mm -hmm. Which means you roughly have almost double the amount of power plants that you actually need. And and, and you have to subsidize all of them across the board. But we're saving the planet. (sighs) Pure insanity. We can feel good about it. Just make sure that you pay it on time. Otherwise, you'll be in the dark. Literally. I'm rubbing my head here. I mean, I may need that the the male Botox treatment for my forehead for the wrinkles in it that I saw on TV. The uh-huh. day. Well, I keep rubbing. Might my as head. well get it done. You got a 50 year reunion coming up. <laughs> <laughs> you want you want to look spry, don't you? Maybe I'll have a chance at some of those women who rejected me in high school 50 years later. Well, let's just take this one step at a time. Eight six six ninety red eye. 
On the heels of a slow-moving weather system affecting parts of the nation's midsection, a second pattern, starting in the west coast, is bringing rain and snow showers. And as USDA meteorologist Brad Rippey adds, In time, we're going to see an interesting setup with this new system. It's going to be kind of strung out in the sense that a lot of the moisture is going to be pulled eastward or southeastward from the western U.S. North of where that moisture is, it's going to remain rather chilly. That would include the Great Lakes region, the northern plains. Very slow to warm up even after this pesky storm over the Great Lakes region moves away. Heavy rains are expected in a stretch from the Pacific Northwest to the Middle Mississippi Valley, as well as early season heat. By the time we get to the end of the week, we're looking at 90 degree plus temperatures widespread across the South Central United States, including hard red winter wheat country of the Southern Plains and later extending into the Deep South along the Gulf Coast. I'm Rod Bain reporting for the U.S. Department of Agriculture in Washington, D.C. This report is made possible by Cenex Roadmaster XL Premium Diesel and Sitco Lubricants. Lines open for your calls. 866-90-RED-EYE on Red Eye Radio. And now for a segment called Just Something I've Noticed. Brought to you by our friends at Motel 6. Just something I've noticed. Bargain hunting is back. I mean, bargain hunting's always been around. We always love a great deal. But man, everywhere you look, people are bargain hunting. You know, there's so many great ways to find great deals. Hey, I have a great find in your bargain hunting journey. Book online at motel6.com. Use the code CPREDEYE to get 15% off your stay at Motel 6 or Studio 6. With almost 1,500 locations across the country, there's almost always a Motel 6 or Studio 6 nearby. And truck parking is available at most locations. Enjoy a clean, comfortable room at a price that's a real bargain when you use the code CPREDEYE. That's the letters CP Red Eye, all one word, for 15% off your stay at motel6.com. That is a bargain. That's just something I've noticed. Brought to you by Motel 6. What's up, everyone? It's Reality Steve, your number one source for all things Bachelor Nation and reality TV. Every day, I'm giving you the behind-the-scenes juice and your info on all your Bachelor Nation stories and also interviewing some of your favorite reality stars. My name has been synonymous with spoilers, but I'm so much more than that. Give me a listen. The Reality Steve Podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen. It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Carney, and I'm Gary McNamara, 866-90-RED-EYE. You know, with the writer's strike going on, you and I asked a question about The View. Does The View have actually have writers? Mm. They do. Uh, ABC's View has decided to try its luck moving forward without writers. Scabs. Uh, <laughs> uh, with show host Whoopi Goldberg apologizing in advance during Tuesday's show, explaining that the their banter during the roundtable talk would likely be less polished now that their writers are on strike. Well, here's my question. Seth Meyers is a writer. He belongs to the Writers Guild. So he's on strike. Do they not belong to the Guild? Does Whoopi not belong to the Guild? Well, it says here, and I thought it was maybe a misprint, but I don't know now. It says, 
uh, Gutfeld, hosted by Fox's, uh, you know, Greg Gutfeld, will be the only network-based late-night show to stay on the air because its writers are members of the Writers Guild and are not participating in Hollywood's first labor stoppage in 15 years, according to a report by the RAP. Well, that I think they meant they are not. That's what I thought. That's members what, of the. Writers. That's what I thought. It, and they said they are. That's what I thought. They are not. Yeah, and that's why. Right. Yeah, because the guild is on strike. Right. Unless they're saying they are members of the writer guild, but they're not. I mean, they didn't phrase it that way. So I'm guessing they left it. A very critical word out. The word not. They are not members of the guild. Um, but yeah, so late night TV and I don't know what else is directly affected. <laughs> but now it makes me wonder because, you know, on the view, they have those lawyers that are ready to pounce on any second mm-hmm. to have a retraction in the next segment because they can't trust well the, 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 the women on the view yeah. not to defame someone consistently. Mm-hmm. And so my question would be, <laughs> Did they all sit around a table? I mean, what do you mean? If you're just talking to each other, that means you have to you have to sit in a meeting beforehand and talk about what you're going to talk about, and then the writers add something or give you talking points? Or no, I, no, no. The the writers write the intros of okay today we're going to talk about blah 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 blah. So whether they're introing a topic or a guest, the writers write what's going on, what they're what they're going to do. Their comments aren't written. But the intros either to a topic, okay? Because or, uh, yeah, because I took it explaining that their banter during their roundtable talk would likely be less polished. That's where I got that. That's where I got that idea from that they're actually writing stuff. Well, because they that don't they use they don't have the prep that their writers put in front of them. In okay, other words, the show prep, here's the, the which is points. yeah, which is the okay. Here's okay. the here's what happened, and here's why I'm mad about it, and. They don't have that. They are basically having to do their own (laughs) show prep. Wow, they might learn something. Threat to democracy if you don't download our app, Red Eye Radio. It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Cardian. I'm Gary McNamara. Download our Red Eye Radio app today. Listen when and where you want if you can't listen live overnight. Okay, here we go. Uh, Karine Jean-Pierre uh, uh, does something right. <laughs> she answers a question the way that if we were her advisor, we would tell her to answer the question. Yeah. Are you ready? All right. So don't ever, don't ever let it be said that we never we didn't say that she did something right. Here we go. All right. Of course, the question is on Hunter Biden, oh. child support, and the president and the first lady not acknowledging their seventh grandchild. I wanted to ask about the trial going on in Arkansas with Hunter Biden and the child support. Are the president and first lady monitoring that? And how come they haven't acknowledged the seventh grandchild? I'm not going to speak to that from here. A plus. You should see the look on her. She looks like she's exhausted. 
yesterday, she looked. You just, know what? That's interesting because I noticed that too. I was like, "What is it? What is it? What's different about? Oh, not just the hair. I mean, the hair is no, different. No, no, no. I'm not talking about it. it was the, no, 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 yeah. no, no, no. This was on her face. Yeah, her face looked like okay. I think I've had enough. I don't want to be here. That's I couldn't. But she was like, you could just tell, and the the the. When she be listening to a question like, I don't want to be here. I really don't want to be here. Well, because uh, <laughs> it was, you know, there was, her hair was different. Yes. And I think that highlighted her face more. You're, I, that you may have a point because normally the hair comes around the face. Right. And you can see her entire face, so maybe the per, the perception you have looking at her face, seeing her entire face, right, is that you you observe more of the facial movements, and and which the, might indicate that, yeah, and the, and the energy was different, yeah. I, I swear though, it was like she just didn't want to be there, and it was funny because no. they went through saw somebody go through the number of topics where she just said, ah, yeah. "I'm not going to talk, yeah, about, yeah, it. Yeah, not, yeah. talk about it, yeah, I'm not going to talk about it, I'm not going to talk about it." Listen. Uh, there's a free weed in the break room. <laughs> they all get rushed out. You know how, how they were rushing them up, pushing them out the door, mm-hmm. uh, you know, when, when, over the years with Biden, they just rush out on their own. Free weed in the break room. Stampede of reporters out. <laughs> Deucey's sitting there. We can't all smoke weed. Somebody has to do some reporting. It's a, um, I'm wondering how, how much time might be left for Corinne Jean-Pierre. I'm just, I'm just wondering. Well, I don't, here's the thing. I don't know how you do that job every day when there's never anything, you know, cause she'll come out and say, and we've done this great thing. She knows there's no great thing. There's, Everybody there's knows no, it. There's D- no. Democrats know it. Everyone. That's why you have the majority of Democrats that don't want Biden to run. Well, and so they all know what's going on. And I think sometimes they just get, they just get tired because there are no really successes in this administration. Well, I think there's that there are, there are none. And then also she's likely much further left than Biden is. And I think her own, if that is the case, (laughs) It stands to reason that her own personal mission statement, you know, she's essentially would be working against by staying there. Not that it's an just the fact that it's an impossible job and that she's not very good at it. I think from her perspective, Biden isn't what we want. She's young. And again, I I think it stands to reason even further left than he is. So you just move on. And I think that could easily be the case. Um, I don't know when that happens. My guess is you wait until the quieter time of year. That's either in midsummer or later than uh, December before the election season gets going. You know it's going to be fascinating now because the White House came out and said, no, 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 the president didn't cave on anything. 
on on the 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 debt ceiling. He didn't yeah, cave yeah, at all. Yeah, he didn't uh-huh, cave at all. Uh-huh. He didn't cave at all. Uh-huh. And and you'll see. I just wonder. Okay, what's going to happen now? Right. Is he not going? Because remember, you have had Democrats slowly peeling off on this. Right. Yeah. Saying you got to negotiate. You got to negotiate. And the Republicans. You know, even Schumer, Schumer was asked the question yesterday. I don't know who the reporter was, but Schumer was asked the question, look, you said that Republicans don't have a plan and won't have a plan and that Republicans then and they have a plan. They presented the plan. Now you don't have a plan and the president doesn't have a plan. The ball's in your court. Yeah, that was good. Yeah. Yeah. No, and it's true. And the question is, you know, we look. Uh, we look at the Republican plan as austerity light, but it is movement. Yeah. You know, it's like saying, well, I'm going to exercise tomorrow and you go walk for two minutes where you exercised zero minutes the day before. Okay. Well, there is movement. (laughs) It's not a lot of movement, but, but we had said this in the beginning, the, the, when when the Republicans took the House, and, and we've got this occasionally from some of our listeners, but they're not accomplishing a lot. And we said, well, they were never going to accomplish a lot. They only have they only have the House. They only have the House, and yeah. so all they can do is set in motion uh, where they stand, and for twenty twenty four, show the American people this is what we stand for. Give us more power. This is the insanity that they stand for. And in many cases, when you watch the hearings. They've been doing a pretty good job, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. uh, questioning. And now they need to they need to start making advertisements. You know, as we get closer, they need to put ads together that really show the Democratic Party what they are in their own words. And I think there's enough to do that with. You don't need yeah. to. Yeah. You don't actually need to make the accusation. You can simply use so much of what they've said in their own words against them. Yeah. So I think so. Will you know, will they, I guess, will be the question and how effective will they be on it? And I don't know. Yeah. You know, that again, that's that's really to be seen as to what they might do. But um we have an interesting you think of what are we May now? May third. <laughs> What's it gonna be like? It's still a think about it, a year from now. Yeah. <laughs> We'll be past Super Tuesday. You know, we're still like four and a half months from the ele- five months from the election. Yeah, a year from now, right? That's insane. I mean, and and so that's why. And we got the question today. We got some great calls uh, earlier, and and uh, one of our our great listeners was like, um, you know, can can Trump win? Mm-hmm. You know, will will Biden beat Trump? And like, I, who knows? You you don't you don't wait too many variables. Right. There are too, too many, many variables. variables. And and I mentioned uh Andrew McCarthy's column where he said why Trump can't win. Mm-hmm. And one of the things out there is Trump will be the hardest one to win because he cannot be as Andrew McCarthy put it, the vast majority of people voting will not be Republican. Because probably right. and if you say vast majority, probably sixty, sixty five percent will not be Republican because there'll be independents in there. Yeah. Independence and then whatever. And if that's the case, it's impossible for him to win. Right. And so, you know, so Biden will win. And it's like, yeah, but you don't know the effect. And I don't know the effect. I understand that point. And there's a legit point. Will independence cross? And will the economy be bad enough 
16, 17, you know, 16 months from now where people will say, okay, I'll even go for Trump. I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen with Biden and the Hunter Biden thing. The influence peddling is all over the place. I mean, it's just, it's right. Everybody knows about it. It's becoming crystal clear every day. Now it's reached his cabinet members when it comes to uh, what the perception is of a cover-up. The American public knows about it. I don't know how this will come back and hit him. And I don't know how the public would respond if Kamala Harris uh, became the candidate by default. Well, you know, the the one thing, and please, people are eating breakfast. The one... <laughs> The one thing, the one thing that you don't see is typically with independents, people in the middle. Typically, that's not where you see voter apathy, right? Because I'm in my mind, I'm trying to, I'm trying to get into the psychology of the voter. If it's so bad that the middle stays home, now typically that's not the case. It's one or the other major parties is not happy with their party. That's where you see voter apathy. Typically, that's what drives voter apathy. But what I don't have in front of me is any stats on that, and I don't know that they would apply historical data that would show us the last time the middle really, there was any kind of indication that independents, you know, were staying staying home. Because I don't know where they go. Right now, I'm far from making any kind of, well, we never make predictions, but I can't tell you, I can't even line it out. Because if the economy is still doing horrifically bad, especially if you see core inflation is still high, and you see the interest rates that will be high, they are likely not going to reverse interest rates, and you have stagflation carrying on for that long, we could be full in into a full-on recession by then that could last a year it could certainly go for three or four quarters you know i i think that it could it just depends on how deep the recession is and what is done about it i think the first move would be on a recession well we need to we need the the fed to act and the push once again to have the fed reverse interest rates but I don't know that that's going to happen in time. And I don't know what the effect would be. And if the border goes crazy right now, I don't know what effect that's going to have. Oh, yeah. Because it right. just that's been never ending. And now you've got, again, when you've got the city saying, we can't handle any more. Right. And there's thousands more coming. Oh, yeah. And the governor of, of uh, Texas already has said, Abbott's already said, sorry, your problem is with the president, not me. Right. Go talk to your guy. Right. Uh, and so they're going to get tens of thousands of more over the next 16 months in Chicago, New York, Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. It, I I think it might be expanded. Yeah, it could be. I think yeah. they may even, uh, you know, offer it because there's going to be more. You see a couple of the news reports in El Paso right now. It's insane. Oh, yeah. Yeah. There's migrants all over the streets it, it, of, of El Paso, yeah. I saw the reporter saying, you cannot believe the situation here. Yeah, it was. And it's been that way. It's got increasingly worse since Biden, 
you know, the and um, the, you know, the whole visit uh, to the border uh, at Kamala and and officials going to the border. And it it just makes the situation worse because what they know, the people that are coming across in the cartels that are that are putting people across the border, what they know is the administration's really not going to do anything. Everything is aesthetics right now, and they're not going to do anything. This will be this summer will be a massive push. You'll see a surge like we've never seen before at every single point on the border. 86690 Red Eye. Get in touch with Red Eye Radio toll free at 86690 Red Eye. It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Carney, and I'm Gary McNamara, 86690 uh, Red Eye. I just, I love this this uh, story from Breitbart. The Rainbow Oaks restaurant, just an hour outside of San Diego, uh, at the uh, Rainbow Oaks restaurant, a TikTok user shared that she had faced the most dangerous situation she had ever been in. At noon, while she was eating her stack of pancakes, about a dozen people stood up for the Star-Spangled Banner, played on the bar's TVs. Dangerous because standing up is dangerous? No, you're standing up and you're singing the Star-Spangled Banner. Oh, being patriotic or, or is you, dangerous. Or you, or you stood up for the Star-Spangled Banner, not singing, uh, just stood up. Yeah. Uh, oh. She recorded the patriotic display, included the caption... By far the most dangerous situation I've ever been in. Well, somebody who's eating pancakes at noon, I believe that. Maybe if you get out of bed earlier, you could encounter more danger. For the past six years, a restaurant has played the national anthem every day at noon. Good for them. And so people that are know about it stand so up for it when it happens. Look at all these patriots. Oh, no. What am I going to do? Can I get some syrup, please? Now, that's a Karen. This is Red Eye Radio on Westwood One. The Bigger Pockets portfolio of podcasts are worthy of your investment. We're having a real conversation as real real estate investors. New episodes available every day. It's important to buy where it makes money and not necessarily where you want to travel to. Bigger Pockets on the market, rookie real estate or money podcast. The purpose of flipping is to create more cash so then you can reinvest into other types of properties. The Bigger Pockets podcast on YouTube or wherever you listen. Welcome to Talkville, the ultimate Smallville rewatch podcast. Guest star Sarah Carter as Alicia Baker. Although I didn't really work with her a lot. But Tom did, and they had some real big smoochy scenes. Yeah. Can we talk about that? Could there be any more sex? What was a three-page makeout scene that just kept going? Good Lord. We get it. They have chemistry. Jump in now or catch up on any of the past seasons of Talkville on YouTube or wherever you listen.